Today's episode of InVibe Life Conversations podcast is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything that you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. A lot of times after having children or between your 20s to your 40s, and if you don't have children, you'll see a decline in your testosterone levels by 50%. That's huge. And it is huge. And so that can be when you start struggling and going, you know what, my muscle mass is not as, it's harder to build up my muscle. I'm not sleeping as well. Um, I'm not as focused as I used to be, you know, or, or I'm having night sweats, having a hard time with word recall. It's not just a sex hormone. You know, everybody thinks, mm-hmm. oh, my sex drive has dropped. That must be it. It can be other things too. So there's a lot of benefits to taking it. So that was part of what we started investigating. Other things that change are your progesterone levels will drop off. For so for some women, we'll give them bioidentical progesterone because that helps with some of their symptoms, like can be worsening of PMS. We all think of the teenager with PMS, right? But then if you ever struggled with it, you'll notice it starts coming again around your 30s. You're like, why am I having PMS again? I was good for I so did. long. Welcome to InVibe Live Conversations with Amy Parker and Cheryl Dunn. By tuning in, you are joining a community that will inspire you to increase balance, wellness, and joy in your life. We'll offer expert information and insightful conversations to help us on our journey to live more in vibe. For more information and articles, remember to also check out our website at InVibeLive.com. That's E-N-V-I-B-E. L-I-F-E dot com. We're grateful that you're here. Hello and welcome to the InVibe Life Conversations podcast with Amy Parker and Cheryl Dunn. We are joined today by Dr. Lisa Jukes of Modern Women's Health. Dr. Jukes, I'll just disclose straight up up front is my personal gynecologist. And Dr. Jukes, I think I've been seeing you for It's been over 10 years, maybe 12 years at this point, right after I moved to Austin. Um, And during that time, your practice has really grown and blossomed. So we're so happy to have you here today and would love to hear a little bit about you, your background, your practice. Very good. Well, thank you for having me, both of you. It's a pleasure to meet you too, Cheryl. Thank you. Nice to meet you too. So um, our practice has evolved. Our name has evolved. It's become Modern Women's Health. And that really is to encompass what we strive for, which is taking that 360 view towards women's health. Um, I think part of it is that as I have changed as a practitioner, I used to do obstetrics in 2005. I discontinued obstetrics. I could focus on gynecology and minimally, minimally invasive surgeries. And through that journey, I too have aged. I've had my kids. I've developed some of the changes that we all have with hormones and realized that there's been some, some gaps. And oftentimes for women, their main provider is their OB-GYN. So I think it's really important that as a patient, we feel comfortable talking to our OB-GYN, that we're being asked the right questions and aren't, aren't afraid to share any problems that we might be having. 
So even our young patients, so say we have 18 and 16 year old, they also need to be shared. They need to be able to share any um, health concerns they have about their periods, about their cramps. We see conditions in young women, unfortunately, starting with endometriosis at young ages, which is a very painful condition, but it's something that we can treat medically. And then we use surgery as a backup plan if we need to. Um, sometimes uh, young girls will just have, need to be reassured that what's going on with their body is completely normal. Um, they need to have a confidential place to talk. As we mature, our hormones will even affect our mood. And in light of COVID right now, we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing a lot of surge in anxiety. You need someone that's going to talk to you. And we may not always have the answers. We may direct you to a counselor, which should be um, highly important. We're going to encourage you to exercise and eat healthy. But it is important that if you're having anxiety, depression, things that we look at your hormones, your thyroid, other things that might be impacting it, as well as help you improve your overall health to, to address that. Then, of course, there's the reproductive age. So some of you may not want to have children. That's great. Some of you may want to, but you may not want to have kids for five, 10 years. So part of that conversation, maybe let's look at eggs freezing, you know, to preserve that opportunity down the road. So that's some, and then other things we'll do at, at visits and you again may not be ready for a while, but you want to look at genetic testing to see if you carry mutations for, for cystic fibrosis and things that could be passed on to a child. So each stage of life is a very important opportunity for you and your physician to discuss what testing is available, what type of screening should you have. In our practice, we do a lot of screening for hereditary cancer disorders. And that allows us to pick up somebody that should have additional mammogram screening, should have an early colonoscopy or have prophylactic management. And that's something that we should be looking at as early as 21 for somebody that has a family wow. member that's had breast cancer in their 30s or 40s. So there's definitely a very important to have that relationship and have somebody that's going to look at more than just come in and refill your birth control pills, right? Right. So, and then what we don't do is obstetrics, but there are so many wonderful, wonderful obstetricians in this, in this, in this town, you know. But that's also really interesting because I don't know if a lot of women know that that's a possibility. I mean, to find a gynecologist without that gynecologist also practicing obstetrics or in other words, delivering babies. Right. And I personally stumbled upon it because I moved. I had a change in location when I came to you, Dr. Jukes. But when I realized it, to me, it was like, hallelujah. Because, yeah. you know, what I found was I loved my OB, but I didn't love being in the office for my appointment that it took me four months or six months to get in for. And then hearing, oh, well, he's going across the way to deliver a baby and won't be here today. So we'll put you with someone else anyway. And while that was, you know, I had a time in my life where that was wonderful and tolerable. I did reach a point in my life where I really didn't want that anymore. And I didn't honestly, even know it was a possibility and I'm not sure a lot of women do. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. For me, I personally, what I found is that when I did OB and I had a patient in labor, it was very hard for me to be focused on my gynecologic patient. I can't um, when, yeah. So, and I think everybody's personality is different, but for me, it was just very natural to change my practice model. 
Because um, you did practice obstetrics for many years. I did for four years. years. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I love my patients and I still enjoy seeing them. It's just, just the focus for me. It allowed me to really develop the minimally invasive side of surgery too. I enjoy, um, we were talking a little bit about endometriosis, but other conditions like fibroids and ovarian cysts are something we can address with robotic surgery. And so that's something I'm a, a leader of nationally for robotic surgery and, and proctor surgeons nationwide for that. But it's things like that, that being a gynecologist only has allowed me to focus on those, you know, to get through, there's always a learning curve, right? When you bring something new in any field, right? There's going to be that learning curve and I'm allowed to, I can dedicate that and not feel like I'm missing a delivery at the same time. So that's been, been great. We also brought in in-office procedures, which was nice. Some women need ablations for heavy bleeding or polyp removals. And then over time, we started to address things like um, diet more aggressively. So we brought in ideal protein and then hormones. So what I found is there were patients I could start them on conventional hormones. And a year later, they'd come in for their annual and the regimen had changed. It wasn't what I put them on. And they're like, well, I felt okay, but I didn't feel great. So I went over here and they added testosterone and now I feel great. And I'm like, well, really testosterone? I'm not sure about that. So <laughs> then what, what do we do when we face with something where people feel good? We're not sure you're getting enough of this from patients that you really have to go back and research again and realize maybe there are changes that I can incorporate. So then we incorporated um, testosterone creams, BioT, which is a hormone palleting. And it was a game changer. That was 10 years ago. That was actually when I personally started them. And um, it made a big difference because a lot of times after having children or between your 20s to your 40s, and if you don't have children, you'll see a decline in your testosterone levels by 50%. That's huge. It is huge. And so that can be when you start struggling and going, you know what, my muscle mass is not as, it's harder to build up my muscle. I'm not sleeping as well. Um, I'm not as focused as I used to be, you know, or I'm having night sweats, having a hard time with word recall. It's not just a sex hormone. You know, everybody thinks, Mm -hmm. oh, my sex drive has dropped. That must be it. It can be other things too. So there's a lot of benefits to taking it. So that was part of what we started investigating. Other things that change are your progesterone levels will drop off. So for some women, we'll give them bioidentical progesterone because that helps with some of their symptoms like can be worsening of PMS. We all think of the teenager with PMS, right? But then if you ever struggled with it, you'll notice it starts coming again around your 30s. You're like, why am I having PMS again? I was good for so long. I did. Or I mean, I... I think my husband would say I still have. Yeah, well, I'm someone who's really sensitive to hormones. And so just even during my childbearing years after a baby was born and then I I bottom out at a certain point, I had a lot of problems with that. And you've helped me through that in, you know, my 40s and now into my 50s as well. And I think, Cheryl, this is something that We've had several guests on the podcast and just friends and other people who've contacted us. Hormones is a big topic. It's a big topic. Among women. And I don't know if it's just the age I'm in, but I feel like even the young women are really tuned in to hormones and hormone fluctuations right now. So what should women be looking for, like in the different decades of life? 
20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and then kind of go into telling us, you talk about bioidentical hormones, but what is that? Yeah, that's a great question. So women in the 20s are wanting to make sure their hormones are normal, which that is tricky. So signs of, of normal in general is going to be regular periods. If you're not on a birth control, an ovulation is normal. That's going to be 22 to 35 days apart is considered normal. Okay. So I wouldn't necessarily need a lab to tell me that her hormones are functioning normally. Okay. But say she doesn't feel well, or she's skipping periods, then we need to go and look for things like polycystic ovary syndrome, which is where the ovaries have a bunch of eggs instead of five at a time. And one becomes numero uno. And that's linked to some other health conditions. So we'll check labs and ultrasound or we can check for prolactin. Now, when it comes to your 30s, that all depends on, are you conceiving? Are you having conceiving issues conceiving, right? So if you're having problems conceiving, then we wanna do a dive into what does your follicle count look like? Do you have good ovarian reserve? So there's lab tests we can do to look for that. Now, if you've had your children and you realized your body did not recover well, you just don't feel the same. You feel draggy. And it's not just because you have, you know, two in diapers and you're not sleeping well. You're like, I really just don't feel well. That's going to be when we really do need to be looking at progesterone and testosterone levels. And the progesterone is tricky. You would have to check it several times a month. So for me, this is a patient that will tell me that, again, their PMS is worse. Um, sometimes they'll have some headaches. Um Again, they'll be a little bit moodier. The periods might be a bit heavier. And I'm like, your progesterone is probably just running lower than it used to. And we'll see that drop a lot of times after that second or third child. It's, it's just interesting. We don't have the answers for why that is. And sometimes the periods will also start becoming more frequent. Okay. Now you can regulate that with a birth control pill, or you can try a bioidentical hormone. So bioidentical just means that you're matching your the organic chemical compound. So if you remember the little ring from science with carbons, hydrogen, and oxygen on it, okay. you lay that over. Even if I made it from a yam plant, it's going to be the same structure as what my body makes. That's what bioidentical means. Now, it still has to be made, but it's just a match. And the benefit of that is now we can measure it in your bloodstream. If I give you a birth control pill, I can't measure what I'm giving you. Those are not bioidentical hormones. Oh. So now the other benefit is bioidentical progesterone is a safer progesterone than non-bioidentical. That has been shown because the non-bioidentical progestins um, can increase your risk of breast cancer. And it doesn't mean there is not a role for them. It just means if I have somebody that I'm trying to augment their own levels, I'm going to choose bioidentical. If I have somebody in menopause, I'm going to choose bioidentical. If I have somebody with a heavy period or endometriosis of the uterus, which is called adenomyosis, I'm probably going to have to use a non-bioidentical one that's stronger. Mm. And I accept that it may have a little bit more risk, but I'm treating a condition with it. Um, you probably, you may or may not remember, but there was a huge study called the women's health initiative study in 2002 that showed women that were on, um, Prempro, which is non-bioidentical estrogen, non-bioidentical progesterone had increased risk of breast cancer. What people don't talk about is that women on the non-bioidentical estrogen 
did not by itself didn't have the increased risk of breast cancer. It was only when they added the progestin to it. And so our approach is going to be biogenical estrogen when we can, because we can measure it. We kind of know if you're absorbing it well. And then bioidentical progesterone for the safety for breast tissue and blood clot risk. Okay. And then testosterone, usually, especially for women should be bioidentical. You know, your guys get their patches or their gels. Those are not bioidentical or their injections. And for women that can cause uh, more male symptoms from it and make you more aggressive. So we want to stick with bioidentical testosterone for women too. And again, that brings us to something that's Yes, it's more natural, but it's also measurable, which is what we like to see. I want to know that if I'm going to put you on something, you're actually absorbing it. Because if you don't feel better, it doesn't help me unless I know if you're absorbing it, right? Mm -hmm. So, and that's something that's evolved. When we were trained in med school and residency, it was just put somebody on hormones and if they feel better, great. But nobody talked about absorption levels. And now we do. Now we talk about that. Now we put women on um, progesterone and or testosterone before menopause if they need it. So in women in their 30s and 40s, average age in menopause is 51 and a half. Of course, it's a huge bell curve, right? And then now there's no longer a stop time. It used to be use hormones for five to seven years and then lowest dose, shortest amount of time. That's gone away. It's evolved. Now we recognize that there's benefits for your heart, your brain your bones with hormones, estrogen reduces your risk of colon cancer too. And so what we do now is we just want to make sure we start you as soon as we can with menopause. That's been the, there's been safety studies showing that that increases the cardiac benefits to start it within seven years of menopause. And we don't stop it unless we need to now. So there's definitely a lot of benefits for brain for cognition. What you don't want to do is wait till 65 and then put somebody in oral estrogen because then we're going to raise their risk of blood clot and stroke and we won't get the cognitive benefits because their body has been changing this whole time and you just can't undo that. Does that make, make sense? It makes sense. And it jumped out at me through what you were saying, how much earlier I think some of this needs to be looked at and addressed than we all think. It's like yeah. you said in, in the thirties yes. yeah. about menopause. Right. Right. And, and we do, we live such a lifestyle. I think that one, you know, another thing you said, like a lot of women, I think tend to dismiss their mm-hmm. not feeling great. Well, right. I am just tired. The kids are making me crazy. I, you know, working right. all these hours and then I have the kids and I have my husband and I, you know, we have all these things. We just, some of the things that come up to us, we either dismiss or think, oh, well, it just is what it is. is. It's the way my mother had it. It's (laughs) the way my aunts had it. And things have really come a long way in women's health. Well, and what we hear a lot too is, oh, my mom, my grandmother had breast cancer. I can't take hormones. That's the other thing we hear. That's not really true. There are caveats, right? If somebody has a gene mutation, then we wouldn't want to give them estrogen and progesterone. If they carry a gene mutation, that increases the risk. But in general, like I was saying, estrogen was shown not to increase risk of breast cancer. And that study was huge. And the average age was 65. So these women were on oral estrogen with average age of 65 and did not have a statistical increased risk of breast cancer. So we really have to re-educate not just ourselves, but our friends, because so often your friends are like, I don't take hormones because I'm going to get cancer 
or conversely, the or other blood thing, clots or, or blood clots. Yeah. So the blood clot and stroke risk is mainly related to oral estrogen and then the non-bioidentical progestins. So we in our practice try very hard to avoid oral estrogen for perimenopause, menopause symptoms, mainly for menopause for that reason. So we try to use um, gels or patches or um, pellet therapy because we, it's, I don't know how much in depth you want to go, but it's to do with how you metabolize oral estrogen, the liver that's, that sets off a clotting cascade. And you just don't have that when you go through the the skin. So do you, so to me, what I think I hear you're saying is that even if you do have a history of stroke, TIA, that kind of stuff in your medical history, that there are options for someone going through menopause, even right, if there are history. Right, exactly. There's definitely that option. And something that you still want to share with your doctor, because there are conditions that we'd want to look for. You know, if somebody had a strong family history of stroke and TIAs at a young age, I'm going to look for a clotting disorder. So it you certainly want to include that family history, but nine times out of 10, it's not a contraindication. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, absolutely. And Um, you know, the the other thing women always tell us too, I think it's funny how we share things with the friends. They'll tell us that leaking urine's normal, heavy periods normal. We were about to ask you about this. Yeah. (laughs) I was about to say in my practice, the number one thing I hear from women is the peeing problem. Like after I've had Mm -hmm. kids, they just assume that that's how it is. And I want you to clarify that it doesn't have to be that way. No. And I, th- and I think as, as you know, certainly urinary incontinence will be especially more prevalent right in that first year after childbirth. And we've got to really work on Kegels, but beyond that first year of childbirth, we really need to be looking at other options, right? So that could be pelvic floor therapy. I don't know if you offer that in your practice, but there's, we don't, but I know a lot about it. Okay. So there's pelvic floor therapy that we can done with a physical therapist, or we have a nurse practitioner in our office that does that. There are um, cones that you can order vaginal weights that a patient can use and they can do that at home and that can improve incontinence. Pelvic floor therapy, when done correctly, can make 80% of patients incontinent, I mean, continent again. So that's really beneficial if they go through the whole series. Whereas sling, which we always want to leave surgery as the last option, has a 90 to 93% cure rate, but does have some other potential negatives. 10% of women can have overactive bladder or urinary retention. So it's not without some risk. So we really try to focus on home, home therapy, doing your own Kegels, ordering the cones, vaginal weights, physical therapy. And then we have other options. So we do um, radio frequency ablation, the vagina called Votiva. And that's a, that helps rejuvenate the vaginal tissue. It was FDA approved um, for um, sexual dysfunction, in the pelvic floor. So we'll even use it for vaginal pain, but it, it helps you have that feeling of a, a tighter vaginal tissue improves the look of the vulva, but it helps with urinary continence, stress incontinence, which is leaking with coughing and straining, right? Or an urging continence, which is that gotta go, gotta go symptom. So it helps with both types. Um, we also do something called Amcella. Amcella is electromagnetic stimulation over 10,000 Kegels in 30 minutes. So you sit on a chair <laughs> and it does it for you. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> we've, even, 
We've treated women even with something they never want to talk about, and that's fecal incontinence. And there's a, yeah. a higher percentage of women that have that. And they'll I never heard about that about in the studio as well. That Dude. that is not an uncommon problem. It's not. So my, I mean, my well, heart bleeds because um, Cheryl knows. You know, after my first son was born, it was a very traumatic birth, mm-hmm. and I had issues with everything, all of the above, and it was short lived for the most part. But it just is devastating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely it is devastating, devastating to a new mm-hmm. mom. A, a, Right. It's, it is. It's, it's, and it's hard for them to talk about. It is. And I think, yeah, they're just only focused on the baby, right? And trying to get sleep, but your OB-GYN can help you. They can also put you on vaginal estrogen. If you're nursing, when you're nursing, the estrogen level stays low. And so some of it is, is related to that, the hormonal changes. So that can help speed up. Well, your healing. And this is where I think, you know, my oldest is 23. I think what you would tell a new mom today versus what I was told 23 years ago or day and night, because a lot of what I was told at that time was, oh, sorry about that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we're lucky you're alive. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, but this stuff kind of sucks, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It does. And they're now, there are OB-GYN practices that offer Votiva too, and they're they're six weeks after after the baby's delivered. They're starting a series right away. So we can get a head start and do a series of three. So I think that's great. It is good um, for women to know. It is. And then other things, I mean, and you've probably seen practices offer it are things like the O-Shot can help incontinence, which is platelet-rich plasma, your own blood, spin it down to the growth factors. And we will inject that in a not pain-free, but almost pain-free. <laughs> right. <laughs> But a clitoral injection and, and, and an injection around the anterior vaginal wall, which can help with incontinence too. So there's a lot of options now that we just didn't have before, aside from surgery. And most women are not going to need surgery for incontinence if we can go through some of these measures. And the same for us, the other thing we see a lot in our practice is vaginal dryness. And that's something else women don't typically talk about until it gets so bad that they can't have sex anymore, which is devastating, right? Or say you have breast cancer and you've been put on anti-estrogen therapy, you know, are you able to have sex? Are you just going through the motions now because it it hurts? So those patients can't even use estrogen initially if they're estrogen receptor positive. So now we have fractionated CO2 laser called Mona Lisa that we can use. We didn't have that until six years ago. It was in Europe for five years before it came here. Wow, so, I mean, a lot of information. Well, and okay, so that's the other thing I want to talk about. We've talked about a lot of details of a lot of things you see and deal with, but the bigger thing is what I like and love about your practice and where you're going as a healthcare provider is I feel like you all are focused on wellness, right? And you're about helping women live their optimal health, their optimal right. wellness in many ways. And it also, I really feel like I almost can't believe every time I'm in your office, how many more things you're doing now. You guys are staying on the forefront of learning about all sorts of things, because I think, like you said, a lot of women come to your office and that's the only appointment they right. have each year, but you do offer nutrition consultations right. and the ideal protein. Um, you offer, of course, every treatment for any gynecological problem, including mm-hmm. all of these cutting edge when possible, non-surgical alternatives. 
but you also offer like, um, I guess, beautifying treatments, you know, after someone's <laughs> had a baby, some of us look right. at our bodies are not thrilled about what we see, or we're hitting certain ages and we look in the mirror right. and not thrilled about what we see. And you offer options for your patients in those areas as well and body contouring and other areas. Yeah, we do offer body contouring. And again, we're trying to, if a, if a patient, some patients will only need surgery, right? That's the only thing you can do. But before that, I mean, if we can address something with um, skin tightening and contouring and even muscle building. So uh, there are devices now that we can actually stimulate your troubled areas for both muscle and then also tighten that loose skin, which is helpful. Postpartum, you'll have loose skin and most of it will tighten up in a year, but it may not. You may have areas that continue to be a trouble, trouble area, even though you're doing everything right, right? There's a lot of patients that are exercising, they're eating healthy, but you, you're barely making any collagen after age 20, let's face it. So your body is going to change and it's not usually for the better. And you can <laughs> That's right. Well, it is. is. So you, and then, but what's interesting is you feel better. Like you're inside, you're more mature. You like yourself more in general, but there's things that you find that I'm doing it right, but this is not working. And so we do, we offer um, body contouring um, to treat arms, um, abdomen, knees. And we offer a lot of microneedling devices, which is such an exciting area. It's where you combine heat with microneedling. It's called Morpheus. And we do it on face and neck, and I do it on the labia. We'll do surgical labiaplasties and non-surgical labiaplasties. I mean, there is a huge shift to minimally invasive techniques or less invasive techniques. And that radio frequency microneedling allows you to deliver heat deeper and get more tightening. And then you can even do internal heat now. And that um, goes to something called the fibroceptal network. And it's a procedure called face tight, acutite or Aviva to tighten the tissue more. But it's not all that. We, we also scar. What about a, the, the C-section scar? So the C-section the scar, you would use Morpheus. Uh, you would use yeah. microneedling for that to treat that. Yep, absolutely. So, and then and the other thing we do is we have a lot of uh, nutraceuticals because when we do your yearly labs, we want to know, What's your B12 level? What's your vitamin D level? What's your ferritin? Um, you want to make sure nutraceutical. Would you define that? Yeah, well, nutraceutical is um, it's going to be your vitamins, but they're going to be health grade. So, similar, Cheryl, you probably carry the same things, right? Your nutraceuticals, no, we don't, you don't, vitamins or supplements, okay. we okay. therapy and Pilates and gyrotonic. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So, in there are specific um supplements that are going to be limited to provider offices. And the reason that's important or to people's pharmacy, right. Or, or Terrytown or Hill country, um, they have studies that look at absorption. So when you buy something from Walgreens or HEB, it, it could be a good product. I'm not saying it isn't, but it's usually not going to have the data that looks at whether you're actually absorbing it. Are you absorbing the right quantity? And is that enough to make a change in, your cholesterol, for instance. So there are certain products we will carry because they have data behind them that will help you. And same same with uh, vitamin D, vitamin D deficiencies everywhere. I was going to ask you about that (laughs) because you have had me on vitamin D for years. And I think my immunities are higher now than when I was in my twenties and thirties. 
Yeah. So vitamin D is important for the immune system, right? In light of COVID, we know all that. Uh It's important for your brain. It's important for heart. It's important for cancer prevention. So low vitamin D levels are linked to increased breast and colon cancer. So very important. And we, and also important for things like autoimmune disease, which I think next, um, the next month coming up is actually about arthritis, but rheumatoid arthritis and other conditions. You don't want to just have vitamin D in the normal, but 30 is normal. You want to have it in 60 to 80, and that's shown to help improve even autoimmune conditions. But the thing about vitamin D, which is a hormone, actually, (laughs) which is more acts like a hormone more than a vitamin, it's how you pick up your calcium, right? And do you remember there were some studies showing if you took too much vitamin D and calcium, you might have problems with heart disease. But what we really know is your vitamin D should be combined with A and K2. And so you're probably not going to get that at your HEB or Walgreens. So you really want to make sure it has the other vitamins, A and K2, and that helps you pick up your calcium and store it in your bones, not around your vessels. So those are benefits to going to getting nutraceuticals from places where they actually have medical grade nutraceuticals to make sure that you're getting the right complement um, for your body. We could go on and on and on and on. I, think. <laughs> I feel like we're just scratching the surface. But one thing I want to make sure we talk a little bit about is um, I feel like I've talked to other doctors who have said, and when I put this out there for you, that during COVID, you know, there were times that practice some practices were closed. Mm-hmm. And then there were definite times when people were fearful of going in for their routine screenings. Right. Are people back to their normal rate of screening. And, uh, you know, I just want you to talk to people about that and help people feel comfortable about not missing those appointments now. So I, I would say that 90% of patients are back to screening. We have had some um, delayed mammogram, MRI breast imaging with diagnoses of cancers that might have been caught earlier, secondary to, to delayed imaging. Um, there are some patients who are hesitant. What I will say that from myself, my colleagues, my nurse practitioners, we are all vaccinated. I don't know of of any practitioners that I am with that are not. So I think patients really should feel comfortable going into the doctor's offices. Um, Most doctor's offices are following CDC guidelines. So we are continuing to mask despite vaccination. And that's to put everybody at ease and be respectful of our patients. So in our office, we will be continuing that policy until we're told otherwise. But I please, please do not um, avoid going to the doctor's office because I think um, your screening should be done yearly. Whether you see us, whether you see your primary care, you need to go in yearly. And that brings up something else, Amy, is that we hear this all the time. Oh, they told me I only need my pap smear every three years or five years. You may qualify for only having your pap smear done every three to five years. We follow three years because that is actually only equivalent to one-year data. The five-year misses a few more cancers, which we will not do in our office. But you are doing much more than your pap smear. Every year, you should have a general exam, a breast exam, and in-person head-to-toe and lab work, right? It's just pap smear is one small part of it. So we make sure we really want to encourage women to see their doctor, make sure they're getting a head to toe physical. Um, it's just not the same as just listening to your heart and lungs or talking on the phone. You're gonna, you can miss stuff. The second most common area for melanoma 
is the labia. So it's just much more than just a gynecologic exam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And okay. And so, wow, that was huge. My mother died of melanoma. Okay. Mm-hmm. But also let's dispel this myth. I have had a hysterectomy over mm-hmm. 10 years ago. And right. I remember the next year when I went in and you guys said, we're going to do a pastor. I was like, what? what? <laughs> like, I've had a hysterectomy. Why do we need to do all this? You still need to go in for these screenings even if you've had a hysterectomy. So, so it depends on the time. Yeah, you still want to do the exam. May or may, or may not be a PAP. Right. But some patients have had um, hysterectomies for conditions that we'd still want to continue to do their PAP smear. But regardless, we want to look at your um, vulvovaginal health, right? We're examining for prolapse. Prolapse, of course, is when the pelvic floor weakens. Mm-hmm. We're, we're looking to make, we're also in our patients, we want to do Rectal exams. Nobody likes that. I know that. But yeah. starting around age 40 is a good time to do it. Colonoscopy guidelines have changed now to 45 because younger and younger women in particular are having colon cancer. So yeah. that's we've got my last visit. She was like, I know you're not 50, but you got to do this. I was like, oh, I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> and then also and a hysterectomy doesn't mean your ovaries are removed either. So that's the oh. other reason we want to check you. So it's yeah, there's, there's definitely some misconceptions around that. So we want to keep checking. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any questions? No, I think this has been great. You're, you're super informative. I think um, one of the things I had mentioned to Amy and you just reassured this, what I love about what you do at your practice, it's like you take the patient's hand and you hold them on this journey. You're holding the hand mm-hmm. on the journey to getting them back to feeling great. Whatever that path is. Well, and honestly, when we think about it, I mean, we think about those childbearing years, right? That's such a small portion of our actual lifespan. We spend so many more years after. We do. And we're so much, I think women, we're we're so vivacious and we hold such strong roles in the community and our family that we do have to do a lot of self-care. And we're probably, we don't do it most of the time. So I think we have to really pay attention to that. We are more than child bearers, you know, much more, (laughs) so much more. Definitely. Well, when we talk about living in vibe, we also talk about self-care and wellness and balance. Um, We love to talk about mind, body, spirit, balance, and health, but we like to ask all of our guests when they're on the podcast for the first time, what do you do to live more in vibe, which means, you know, to bring balance or joy or fun into your life on a regular basis. So. Um, I, I don't know if you know this, Amy, but I, we moved here from England when I was 10. So my parents and my brothers are here and everybody's still in England. Did you slip into an accent? No. <laughs> but I would say the thing that brings us joy is we are a very, very tight family. So probably one of the things that brings me joy the most is that we get together and I love to cook for everybody. I've got two great kids that are 20 and 22 in college and post-grad and the one true blessing of COVID was having more time with them. And I just realized, you know, I'm blessed with parents that are still living in good health and wonderful siblings and and niece and nephews. And I just think life is great. And I I hope that everybody can have that blessing of having good family or friends around them. And then the other thing my husband and I really do, we (laughs) enjoy um, traveling, but we enjoy new activities. We just um, started getting season tickets to the Austin. There's a new Austin rugby team. I don't know if you know that, but no, I didn't. Yeah. So my brother, my husband's, my dad all played rugby. So 
we've been going to that. So we love to travel. We love to go and go to whatever the new sporting event is and take friends and family. We just, that's it. <laughs> so I love it. That stuff is so important. You know, yeah. just things that make us happy and make us smile. I think that also helps people on their journey. <laughs> sure. Well, thank you so much. Thank you very much. I think you've just been a complete wealth of information and really have given a lot of women answers um, or just options and what they can do. And, uh, and we will have in our show notes how people can find you and your practice and contact you. There will be a link there. So anyone who's interested, I know you prefer some in person, but do you offer telehealth as well? We do. We okay. do offer telehealth. Yep. So anyone who's Absolutely. interested can check that out and find you at, I think, www.modernwomenshealth.com. You've got it. Yeah, you've got it. Well, thank you guys. Thank you okay. for joining us. And it's so good to meet you. Thank you for listening to Invibe Live Conversations. For more information and to join our community, be sure to check out our website at invibelive.com. We look forward to sharing with you.